Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Subtle Interference. I'm your host, Bob. I'm your other host, Alex. Not joining us today. <laughs> no special guest. No. Just special. the dream duo. <laughs> How's it going, Alex? Wonderful. How was your 4th of July, Bob? Uh, 4th of July was full of delicious encased meats. Um, some meats that weren't encased, uh, cheese, a few beers, Doritos, lots of Doritos and, um, oh yeah. Overwhelming heat. Mm. Not as bad as last year. No, no. I swear to God last year it was a hundred fucking degrees with humidity. Yeah. No. Yeah. Last year, like I, I distinctly remember last year just sucking the life out of me it wasn't that bad because i was smart and i just stayed inside all day <laughs> but there were some idiots that just stayed outside like total uh, i don't know well and just so aggravating because like i would love to move the, the party time to like five five thirty but y'all would never find a place to park yeah people would be walking from like zimbabwe to come to your house <laughs> um so it, it you know it is what it is but uh no it was it was still hot it, i was uh, you know at least we got the second tent this year so uh yeah that, helped. Know, that helped um because i remember like last year we only had the one tent and like everyone was just like huddled inside of it as tight as they could get well yeah, I'd say this year it was a somewhat reasonable 85 degrees or so, you know. Like, it was still hot, but it was tolerable. Still couldn't wait to get home and take a shower. <laughs> that was, like, the best shower ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, anytime you're outside and doing a lot, anything, well, I mean, for the fourth, you're not even doing anything really physical. Except, no. you know, breathing. <laughs> you're eating. <laughs> so... But anything you got that grime on you, yeah. Oh, yeah. that shower's great. Yeah, I hate the sweat layer grime. It's the worst. Just from being outside when it's mega hot, you don't even have to be doing anything. Just the mere presence of your body outside when it's like eighty-five to ninety degrees and humid. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think a lot of people don't understand how bad the humidity is because they don't live in places with this type of humidity. Well, see, but that but geography begs to differ. I mean, look at you know how many people live in the Chicagoland area. How many people live in the Northeast? And the Northeast is just as muggy, if not muggier. So, a lot of people live in this climate. Um, maybe it's just that the people in the Southwest are like loud about the fact that they have nice arid air yeah that's the thing when you're in say arizona and it's 100 degrees it's really not that bad you know like you still have to keep yourself hydrated so you don't die because yeah but you don't sweat profusely yeah i still don't want to go to arizona but i don't mind arizona what's wrong with arizona I, I mean, to be fair, I've never actually been to Arizona. I've only been one time, and it was fine. I, I've flown through Phoenix. It's a, it's a desert. Like, a million times. I, I, 
There's no place in the world I've been more times, but I haven't actually visited than Phoenix, Arizona. I fly through Sky Harbor pretty frequently, and but I've never stopped in Phoenix for anything. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good fourth, steamy but good. It's a nice day. Um. And uh, I, I tell you, I I know you had to leave before the fireworks. The fireworks show this year went on long. It was like forty minutes or so. Really? Because I'd say it's usually about half an hour, right? Yeah. Well, we hit a, we hit the half hour mark, and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm like, we're not up to the grand finale yet. And this is okay. <laughs> so maybe they just had some extra money to burn on. Uh, Oh, you did miss the part where, um, so, you know, in front of the house, you get the dummies who drive up the street as the fireworks show's going on, and then the cop, sit there. the cop at the end of the road turns around. We didn't have, like, the huge parking lot of cars this year, which was good. Um, the officer at the end kept turning him away and forcing him to go back. Um, so that was good. It's still annoying as shit. Uh... But why would people drive towards the park? They're stupid. If you don't, if you think you can't, if you, if you haven't seen a spot yet, you're not going to find one like closer to the park. Right. Like why you're fucking idiots. But so there was this one guy or there's one couple. Um, they came down, they got turned around and then what they did is they parked in front of my neighbor's driveway mm-hmm. and got out. And I'm sitting there like, if they're going to sit with their car, fine. I'm not going to make a scene. But then they started walking away. (laughs) And I ran up to them. I was like, you guys, if you're going to do that, you have to stay with your car. You cannot leave. You cannot park in somebody's driveway. Because you're. Block them in. And block them in because you couldn't get here on time. I'm sorry if the view is not as good behind all these trees where you've decided to park, but you know, you can't do that. And they get all defensive. It's like, Ed, tough shit. Deal with it. What did they say? Like, oh, no, no, we'll say, we'll say, we'll say. And then the whole time they just were kind of like trying to creep up a little further and further and keep, keep staring them down. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm paying attention, assholes. <laughs> I wish I would have been there to watch that happen. That would have been great. It's just like, come on. Come on, people. Like. Have some common courtesy. You got here late. You fucked up. Deal with it. The thing is, is it your first time coming to this? And do you really believe you're going to be able to just waltz up at the last moment? Like, come on. Nah. What what sort of large public event does anyone go to where it's going to work out to go at the last moment? Uh, nothing. Like, name one. You can't do it for any sort of sporting event. No. Nope. You always end up missing a bunch of the beginning. You can't do it for, like, a concert or fireworks show. I can't even think of an example of something where you could just, like, show up five minutes before it's going to start, and it'll just go smoothly. And like think about like it's like getting to an airport twenty minutes before your plane's set to take off. 
Yeah. Like, good luck. Yeah. And then, and then bitch that security's taking forever. Well, and it's... This the, is so slow. And it's the 4th of July fireworks show. Like, this is the fireworks show for the year. The the whole fucking town is here. Yeah. <laughs> so... I just It's so aggravating. I really wish they would close the street down. After a certain time. Down further, closer to yeah, the last intersection. But like if you're not here like 20 minutes beforehand, they just shut off the street and that's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I do wish they'd do that. Um, still happy it wasn't as bad as last year. Last year sucked. You had this just the my street became like a parking lot and people have their cars running still. So you're sitting here and you got cars running next to you trying to enjoy the show. And it's like, fuck you guys. But it's still a pretty good show. Yeah. So. So I can't complain. <laughs> but but you can. Uh, but I can. Yeah, of course. Did you enjoy the first week of Monday Night Raw under Paul Heyman? <laughs> I know you tuned in to watch. Oh, yeah. I was, I, I was uh, you know, I... I dialed that in. Um, I, I mean, to be fair, I did hear uh, uh, through. I heard it was better. I, I did hear it was better. Like you said, though, there was nowhere to go but up. <laughs> it's like, how could it be worse? You know, maybe if I was running it, it'd be worse. Um, But I, I think, you know, there's. It's interesting. Um. Because you have uh, AEW now. And even though they're not on TV yet, um, you got to kind of feel like any changes that WWE makes are kind of a reaction to that. Um, Or that, like, even if it's not a direct reaction. Because I know, uh, what was the pay-per-view that was last weekend? That, like... Uh, I don't remember the name, but it bombed. Yeah, like, it was like the 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 in person attendance was horrible. Yeah, like I heard there were like visible open seats on the hard camera, like that's pretty appalling. Yeah, you're in like Tacoma, so it's kind of it's not like the best test market because it's fucking Tacoma, Washington. But how do you only draw? like 4000 people. Yeah. For a for a special event, for a pay-per-view, you know. Right. Uh, and then for Raw, I think they drew something like 2500. That's just horrible. Yeah. And I've already heard so the next pay-per-view I feel weird calling them pay-per-views because they're not really I guess they are technically pay-per-views like you could buy them if you wanted to. Right. But who does? Like dummies. Yeah. No, or people with no access to internet, I guess. But anyways, the next pay-per-view is Extreme Rules, and it's in Philadelphia, which is like a big wrestling market. Yes. And they're already doing two-for-one sales to get people in the building. Like, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. No, and, it's absolutely horrendous. And they're so stuck to their fucking ways. Like, we're doing this horrible 
Baron Corbin, Seth Rollins feud that just keeps headlighting any every show. It's just Baron Corbin, Baron Corbin, Baron Corbin. Every fucking show, mm-hmm. every Raw. Fuck you. Like, I don't understand what Vince sees in the guy. He's not even a good-looking guy. Like, you know, normally Vince has his type, right? Tall, bodybuilder, right. good-looking dude. And it's not even that. Mm-hmm. All he's got is height. He's got nothing else. Yeah. He's got no charisma, no personality, bad wrestler. Mm-hmm. It all sucks. Like, could you imagine... How bad do you have to be to have a bad match with Seth Rollins? <laughs> I feel I could have a good match with Seth Rollins. Right? <laughs> you know? Like, if I just stand there and he kind of runs around me. People would be like, A-plus match. <laughs> man, that fucking Alex is pretty good for a GNU guy. You know? Well, you know, it, it is interesting. And I don't, you know, you know, the like, uh, TNA, I feel like, never like even though like it did have uh you know a decent amount of money behind it and it had some big names and what have you i i feel like no one ever treated tna like a real competitor like it was just kind of it was over there um it, it something feels different about AEW um, and maybe it's the marketing. Maybe it's the fact that they're they're not afraid to to push to to, to compete with WWE, mm-hmm. even though they're not quite there yet. Well, when TNA first started, it felt like a hot new thing, but it also felt very rinky-dink in a certain way because they were always in the impact zone in Orlando, right? which was basically a studio in Universal Studios. And it was, you know, I don't know how many people that place sap. Maybe it was like 500 people or so. Like, okay. it wasn't that big of a building. And it always kind of felt like a little low rent because of that, even though they had like a lot of guys who are stars now in WWE, you know, AJ Styles or Mm -hmm. Samoa Joe. There's a lot of TNA people in WWE right now. But, you know, part of the reason AEW feels so big is that they've amassed like a pretty big audience just from an online show and like social media. Yeah. Like unlike WWE who like tries to claim like oh social media is like showing how popular we are and all these numbers and everything. AEW's actually created a draw from social media like they've put 10, 12,000 people in state in in arenas, you know. Yeah. And that's something that WWE doesn't even do. Like when WWE comes here, they don't even sell out the All-State Arena right now. Mhm. Uh and AEW just sold out the Sears Center, which seats like 10,000 people in 15 minutes. Right. People are there's a there's a palpable excitement for it. I think it's it's wrestling people want to watch, not just wrestling people watch out of obligation. Um, when th- people people want to see WWE be challenged. Yep. Well, competition is a good thing. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about how great um, wrestling was with the Monday Night Wars. I mean, they're trying to beat each other. 
um, and we, you know, unfortunately, one did win over the other. Uh, it didn't create uh, the a duopoly, which would have been better. Would have been for better. Everyone involved, <laughs> right? The wrestlers. The only person who would have been better wouldn't have been better for is Vince McMahon, right? Um, so you know, having uh, a leg- you know a competitor, um, and even if even if on paper AEW is not a a traditional competitor to WWE yet, um, I feel like in the eyes of fans, it is. Well, we really don't know yet. No, because not on TV, right? Because the you know like the all out show that's going to be here in uh, well you know they call it Chicago but it's Hoffman Estates <laughs> <laughs> that show could have sold out Soldier Field based on how many people were sitting in the queue right you know so there was a lot of anticipation and I'm very interested to see if that's going to translate to TV or not yeah you know because. You know, Raw most weeks does about 2.3-ish million viewers. Some mm-hmm. weeks it's down, some weeks it's a little up, but they're about in that range. You know, if this would have been five, six years ago when Raw was doing 5 million, 6 million viewers, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought AEW would have had any chance to match that number, especially right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But now, AEW is going to be on TNT, which is a network that's pretty much has the same penetration as USA. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did 2 million viewers week one. Now, will that be like a week one thing and it'll go down? Or is that going to hold steady? Or is it going to build up? We don't know. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, um, a lot of interesting things to be developed in the coming months uh, with AEW. Um, I do want to get back to this, The you know, we started this bit of the conversation off because uh you brought up Paul Heyman running raw and uh so so Heyman has raw and uh the venerable Eric Bischoff has smackdown um and i just it, it's so funny to see you got you know and, and of course i'm sure WWE's trying to play uh the you know Heyman versus Bischoff see who can do better um whether or not they've I I've, I haven't been watching so I don't know but I'm sure um that is something they're going to run with at some point but even internally just the way I understand how WWE works internally there'll be there's you know that competition for sure um and it's just funny. It's like, it's 2019? <laughs> well, what's there's a lot to unpack here. So what's strange about it is, well, it does make a lot of sense to hire Paul Heyman for this job because he's pretty much well-known as a wrestling genius who's never booked a bad show. You know, he used to book ECW, right. which was very well-liked. He booked SmackDown for a few years there, which was extremely well-liked. And that was when a bunch of people became new stars under that booking, like your Eddie Guerrero's or Chris Benoit or Edge, you know, people like that. Um, And so Paul Heyman has a long history of success with booking. Sure. Eric Bischoff has a long history of failure. (laughs) 
He had 83 weeks. <laughs> but, what, but that didn't have anything to do with him, <laughs> you know? And he's not, and from everything I've heard, he's not really up on the product. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be now. But I don't think he follows it that closely or knows, like, who's good or who's bad. And if you go to WWE and they're pushing Baron Corbin every fucking day, they're going to be telling you, like, Baron Corbin's great. You know, we got to get Baron Corbin on TV. It's like, fuck. You know, he's, how's he going to know any better? Because he doesn't watch. Right. So it's like, oh, well, they want me to push Baron Corbin. <laughs> and then, you know, it feels really mostly like a stockholder move. Because I think there has been a lot of pressure on Vince lately. Like, what are you going to do to turn this around? And what are you going to do when you go to Fox? Because 2 million viewers on Fox is absolutely not going to cut it. I mean, you're going to get moved to, like, Fox Sports or something. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't stay on network TV with 2 million viewers a week. I don't care, like, unless you're doing that at 3 in the morning, (laughs) you know, that would be fine then. But they're not paying you. $500 $500 million a year for 2 million viewers. Like, I would love to to have that contract and be able to to just read through it and see what all the Fox Escape clauses are because you, there's got to be. Like, there's no way Fox signed that deal without ways out, uh, without ample ways out. I would have to think... It would be stuff like if the show falls under the network average, it can be canceled. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that would be. Or or Vince is finally convicted for helping Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> That's never going to happen. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, is this all some sort of like, see, because it's Fox, you start thinking like conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, like, God, yeah. Is this like Vince funneled money to trump to help him in his campaign and now trump and fox news got together and they were like okay we're gonna give vince this sweet ass contract even though his company doesn't deserve this money at all for the amount of popularity they have that's the thing that doesn't make any sense about the whole thing there's no way that this deal was signed with the idea of making money no you can't there's no way they're making 500 million dollars a year in advertising you know what what's what what boggles my mind is what what if they did like then somebody should be fired <laughs> like, um no i don't i don't get it uh well and there's plenty of people who you would think would be more qualified for the job that are even working at WWE than Eric Bischoff. Right. Because what has Eric Bischoff ever done? Failed in WCW and failed completely in TNA. Mm -hmm. He's never succeeded at anything. So. It's good to be white. (laughs) It's good to fail up. The, The Trump life story. Failing up. My life in business. But... But I don't I don't know. I mean, I wonder if because obviously if you start to think about it, you know, who would be the people you would put in this job if it's a real job that actually is going to matter over Eric Bischoff? I mean, the first person that comes to mind would be Triple H. Mm -hmm. But is he being 
you you know you look at it a couple ways is this a sign of no confidence that vince doesn't want him in that job because he doesn't think he would do a good job like he's not a f- maybe he's not a fan of the NXT product. Maybe. maybe he's not a fan of the people that are being brought up from NXT mm-hmm. since most of them end up fucking buried. Uh, or, or is it the other way? Is it that he's being protected from a potential failure? Well, I do think I think I mean one of the things you could think about is his, and I guess a point we should make is that supposedly um paul has actually a fair amount of control supposedly well they claim that both of them are only answering to vince um which is you're still answering to vince but if they if they do legitimately have a lot more pull um you know you could the argument could be made that Triple H could would could not succeed because anytime you know go just go back to the authority. Um even though they were in control, you know everything's getting pulled behind the sh- the scenes and it's not necessarily the way um Triple H would do it and would there be that perception amongst the fans that if you know, even if it was his decision that it really wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, so kind of a, a, a mind game kind of thing. Um, but so Triple H, who else do you think? I mean, names like Gabe Sapolsky, who booked ROH for a long time, and I think kind of sort of works for WWE, maybe in like a consultant role. Mm-hmm. But I that's what I mean. No one knows who that is. Like you know, you probably don't even know who that is. No. So, if it's a move designed to make the stockholders feel better, you're going to go with well-known names. And who's more well-known than two guys who competed with Vince in the '90s? Right. So yeah, they weren't going to put like some thirty-year-old with new ideas in charge. <laughs> like they weren't going to bring Cody Rhodes back in to run SmackDown. No. You know. So. And that's kind of the interesting juxtaposition is on the other side, you have a bunch of guys who are in their 30s running AEW, you know, Kenny, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Cody's wife, Brandy. These are all like 30 year olds, not 30 exactly, but in their 30s. And then, you know, the guy funding it, Tony Khan, he's like 35 or 36 or something. Yeah. So it's all like third people in their 30s with new, fresh ideas. Yeah. And they're going to be competing against a bunch of like 60 and 70-year-olds. So <laughs> well, wait, what's interesting, so I, I know like young people tend to get very frustrated because, um, you know, the, the old guard is resistant to change and, um, you know, they don't take their new ideas seriously. Um, but, you know, and I think this is something that I've learned just, you know, in my experience in the workforce, um, since, you know, since I've left college is, uh, you've really got to get, you've got to, you've got to lean on that experience too, um, so that you don't make catastrophic mistakes. Yeah. So... 
you know, I think that's one of the concerns with uh, with AEW is you know what kind of um, what kind of support do they have behind the scenes to make sure they don't tank the business uh, aspect. You know, the creativity is there. They ha- they definitely have a much better read on what fans want to see um, and a way to deliver it. Um, they do need where and but you know how much how much experience in running a business do they have behind that, which is what WWE has in spades. They have tons of experience in how to run a business, but they have fucking no clue how um, to book a wrestling show. Right. So it's like so it, it, as long as I think as long as AEW can maintain the business side of it. Um, I think they're going to be in a really good position, but you're, you're exactly right. In terms of booking, I don't, you know, like I I see things in AEW and, you know, I, I, I have a mild interest in wrestling. I think is the best way to put it. (laughs) You know, when it, when it's good, I enjoy it, but I'm not going to sit down and slog through mediocre stuff. I don't love it enough to, to watch bad wrestling. Um, and, but, you know, I feel like when I, when I, the AEW stuff I have seen, it's exciting. You want to watch it. The crowd's into it. Uh, even names I don't know, I still have an interest in because they're pushing it and they're, um, they're trying to make you excited for it uh versus anytime i watch a wwe product it's very clear the one person they're trying to push and everything else is there just to fill out the card well in in since i'm in the middle of like an eric bischoff bash fest to his credit i will say the one thing that WCW Nitro always had going for it is it felt like a wild party where anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And that's something that WWE could desperate, like desperately needs. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch any WWE show, it's very structured and very paint-by-numbers, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see some coloring outside the lines. And I don't, you know, I'm not expecting stuff like the nitro girls coming out to dance like coming out of commercials and stuff because that just wouldn't fly anymore i couldn't even imagine the stuff <laughs> i would read if that happened oh God. if they brought some women out in no clothing to dance i can't even imagine the uproar it would actually be amazing <laughs> so they should do it <laughs> they should do it yeah just for entertainment <laughs> Um, but I think that's one of the things people liked about Raw is this week under Paul Heyman, it kind of felt like there was a little bit of um, like crazy shit happening out of nowhere. Well, WWE has the problem of they have way too much content. That's the, that's the other thing is to I don't know anyone who could write five hours of good TV every single week. And you know, I remember seeing. Uh, an interview with Triple H. This was a couple years ago. Now, it was it wasn't long after Raw switched to three hours, and he said, "I, I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to write three hours of television." And I, and I said, and, and my reaction to that is, "No, I think people appreciate it because they see how dog shit the product is, like, and that's a problem of your own making." 
Right. Well, you right. You took the contract to have the time because you want the extra money. So if you want the extra money, you know, you got to be able to figure out a way to make the show watchable. Right. And it's just, it's not, <laughs> you know, uh, Bob, the dog, he has moved from the window down onto the couch out of direct sunlight, <laughs> he's but he's not enough. far from the sunlight. It's kind of like just on his neck. He's just totally passed out right now. He's like, fuck it. I wish I could sleep like Bob, the dog. Like all day. Yeah. Like, well, and he just, you know, like I'll get restless if I sleep too long. Not him. No. He's just like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, yeah, I'm sleeping 18 hours today. What about it? (laughs) Uh, Bob. Alex. Let's talk about some of these video game releases that are coming up because I saw the release list and I got a little pissed. <laughs> so give give us the dates here. All right, Start with like Gears of War five. All right, so let's uh, let's go through here. Yeah, so we pulled this up earlier and we looked at July and there's just shit coming out in July, like every year. Uh, yeah, I mean. If you like Fire Emblem games, there's a Fire Emblem game coming out. Uh, and then Wolfenstein Youngblood. I haven't played any of those new Wolfenstein games. I've heard games. they're good. Yeah, I've heard they're good. Um, I haven't played it. It'll probably be on Game Pass in a week after it comes probably, out. Right? Every, now and every, every time I look at the Game Pass list, I'm like, ah, oh, people said Wolfenstein's good. I should install that. Dude, and there's I never do. so many games on Game Pass now. Like, it's I hard to get through. I think there's like 200 games yeah. on Game Pass, and it's not some bullshit library. There is a lot of really good games on Game Pass. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this is going to be one of those things where it's going to get worse over time. Like, remember when Netflix first started? Mm-hmm. And it was like, there were a lot of big movies on Netflix. And then kind of over time, the studios realized, like, oh, we're putting all our best content ta- content on Netflix, and we're not really making that much money you, off of it. You them. know what's amazing about that, though, is that clearly someone at Netflix realized that was going to happen, and before the, before the studios could pull out too hard, Netflix dumped tons of money into original content. Yeah. And, you know, now... Netflix can run itself on original content um, almost to I, a certain degree. I, I don't, you know, if it, if they didn't have the big catalog of movies too, I don't know that I would, ho- I would subscribe, but I treat Netflix more like HBO now. Like it is sort of like a TV station. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, stranger things just came out. So we resubscribe to Netflix, but I'm not going to just keep the subscription going at all times. But but you're you have to admit though that you're the oddball though when it comes to that because that's the thing Netflix has going for yeah. it is most people once they subscribe just stay I'm definitely definitely eyeball in that regard, but you know, think about it. Um you've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, HBO, um Amazon Prime. You've got, you know, those are probably the four the well, let's remove HBO. Those are your three big ones, right? Um, HBO is probably the premium most people will get. Um, yes, I am. I'm an eyeball. I will cancel them, but I don't see why more people don't. Like, I get that it's annoying, but just throw a calendar reminder in. Um, 
you're not you don't need like wait for your entire season to be out get it binge your season mm-hmm. or even if you want to keep it like like we got hbo back when um when game of thrones came so and it was for you know six whole episodes um and the worst 30 bucks i spent uh this year <laughs> uh <laughs> but you know, so I got it, went, you know, for the first episode. And then after, um, I, I kept it a little longer to watch Chernobyl. But now that I've finished Chernobyl, there's nothing we want to watch until the fall. So we canceled it. I would be very interested to see if HBO subscriptions went down sharply after Game of Thrones ended. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, It should have. Not, I hope it did not, because not it need, only, they need to, to understand, like, that was the problem I had with Game of Thrones was, like, HBO got their money. Yeah. How are you going to send a message saying this is not acceptable? The only thing you can do is not subscribe in the future. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of twofold. I wonder if, one, it's a lot of people unsubscribing because they would be unhappy with a Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And HBO by extension. Or would it just be, oh, Game of Thrones is over. That's the only show I was watching on HBO. So I'm done with HBO now. Which is because, I mean, HBO does have a lot of good content. They're generally pretty reliable. But um, they do have a lot of good content. But but Game of Thrones was like the show that was driving everything. Yeah. Network. Like that was your general audience big show. Right. You know, there's other shows that people know are good, like Barry or Chernobyl. But 15 million people aren't watching those shows right. the moment they premiere. Yeah. So. Anywho. Um, little a little tangent there. Oh, so anyway, what I was getting to though was I wonder if it'll be like that, where, you know, Game Pass will be like Netflix when it started, where Game Pass actually gets like a lot of well-known, pretty big games now. Like, like I told you, when Rise of the Tomb Raider went on there, and that was a pretty like big game. It wasn't like a gigantic release, but mm-hmm. a big game that people knew about. That went on Game Pass fast. Yeah. Same thing with the new Metro game. That went on Game Pass super fast. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like gun shy on buying things, right? Because you're like, fuck, is this going to be on Game Pass in three weeks? Well, and so, so this this raises, like, and you know very well, like, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of single player games with a story. Um, and that worries me because those are the games that are going to suffer the most from that business model. And, uh, you know, cause those are the games that tank in price so quick. Um, with the exception of fallout 76, which really wasn't a complete game anyway. So who the fuck cares? Uh, but you know, I don't, I w and I, you know, I'm guilty of this. I know a game's price is going to drop drastically, so I'm not going to buy it in the first week. And I want them to work out the bugs. So I'm not going to buy in the first week. Yeah. So I just, I, it really boggles my mind why they crash the price so hard, so quick right now. Because, you know, you're training your audience to wait. Well, and you're lowering the value of games at a time where you almost, you need to like increase the value of right. games because production costs are just keep rising. Production costs keep rising. Um, 
but and the problem is how do they make up for it games as a service dlc loot boxes uh and there's a lot of pushback against all those things right now right so it's 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 frustrating as a gamer um and because you know what's interesting though is like i think there is some value in games as a service like think about so you've been pushing me for the last two weeks now to buy destiny 2 sure if i could get destiny 2 for like ten dollars for a week or whatever some a reasonable amount of money for a reasonable amount of time right and then that could be credited to the, pur- the full purchase. Mm-hmm. I would be so much more inclined to try it at $10. And then if I do like it, you know, actually buy the full game. Well, the good news for you is that if you do decide not to get it right now, that comes September, you'll be able to play a sizable portion of the game for free. And that'll be a great trial for people because they're giving away so much in September. I mean, I don't think people even understand that they're probably giving away legitimately 50 to 60 hours of content hmm. for free. For free. And it's it's not Game Pass free. It's not Xbox Live Gold games free. It's actually free. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. I think that's going to drive the player base up, but when it comes to stuff like DLC, or I guess in this case, what I would be talking about is microtransactions, I think the games that do it well are the games that are already good, and so they have a lot of goodwill. Mm-hmm. So you don't mind spending a little bit of money on them. You know, like I play a shitload of Path of Exile, and Path of Exile is a free to play Diablo style dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to spend a fucking dime on Path of Exile if you don't want to, but. You can buy stuff like cosmetics or you can buy stuff like stashes for your bank to make it easier to organize your loot or other things like that. And some of that stuff, like the stash tabs for your bank, are really useful. And I love the game and I've probably played it for like 100 fucking hours. So I don't mind spending 20 or $30 on a game that I've already played for 100. You know, they're they're going to play a shitload because it's like... I don't need to play this game for free to get my value out of it. <laughs> I can give them 20 or 30 bucks for a game that I have and I'm going to dump even more time into. Yeah. I, it's, a, it's a matter, I think, getting that model right is important. But the problem is every developer wants every game to be that. Right. And there's only space for so many of those games in the market and they have to stand out as a high-quality game. Yeah. Now, if you have a if you have a dog shit game, or not even a dog shit game, even even just mediocre games, um, can't get away with that. No, you know they really can't. You need to have a high quality game. Uh, what was it? It was one of the recent Assassin's Creeds, um, where like they had a there was a there was a. A micro tra- there was something you could buy that would double the rate of your XP. Oh yeah, wasn't I don't remember all the names of them, but wasn't that the one set in Egypt or something? Maybe. Um, and I remember everyone 
everyone t- saying if you don't buy that double XP thing, the game is so slow, you'll just want to jump out a window. Yeah, and that's a game that's built in a way, like purposefully built to make it where you feel like you have to spend extra money on top of your $60. And that's right. like such bullshit game design. Yeah. So, um, man, that was a heck of a tangent. Whatever, that's the podcast. Yeah, it is. We talk about whatever we want. Uh, what we, what'll be interesting with Game Pass is, um, you know, how well if Microsoft's first party studios can actually kind of turn the corner and actually start cranking out more high quality games that are not named Forza. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that, and that's that's basically the summary of this whole conversation is what will Game Pass hold its value moving forward and a large part of that as you just alluded to is what is the quality of their first party output because if they're if if say this was instead of Xbox Game Pass it was PlayStation Game Pass mm-hmm. and it was all the PlayStation first party exclusives on this service mm-hmm. you'd be like holy shit what a value because PlayStation's first party output is extremely high quality oh yeah so if Microsoft, say, two or three years from now, gets to that level of high-quality output, Game Pass becomes an even crazier deal. Mm-hmm. And then the question then is, will Game Pass keep getting big third-party games to be on it or not? Or will they just be like, will it turn into Netflix where it's like, oh, it's all about the first party? Yeah. Because Netflix like shifted, right? It went from like third party to their first party for using video game terms and Microsoft right now they have all the first party on there it's all free day one free quote unquote game pass free <laughs> but if they're but their production has been eh, you know pretty eh, on the first party right and I mean I'm trying to think of like what's the last Microsoft game that I had really any interest in playing and you know i like forza but i don't i don't have i, I like it i i play very much in, in an arcade mode and, and i've always felt this way about racing games i want to go in play for a few hours i'm never going to play a career mode in a racing game i'm never going to suck you know put in 60 hours so it's really hard for me to justify you know, spending the money um, on those games when really I just want an arcade game. Right. Well, for me, something like Forza Horizon 4 being so good and being on Game Pass day one, that's a no bra- that made like Game Pass a no-brainer for a while for me because, you know, if we just look at that game, you know, I'm game sharing, right? So that game alone would have cost me $30 if I would have bought it the day it came out. Right. And I'm paying, essentially, I'm paying $2.50 a month for Game Pass. So right. at that point, Game Pass is just a no-brainer just yeah. for Forza. Right. And then you throw in all the other stuff. And that's the thing. So, you know, we're about to talk about it. Like, Gears of War 5 is coming out on Game Pass. If that's a really good game, then that's another year of Game Pass justified. Right. You know? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I'm intrigued. 
Like I'm intrigued by Halo Five. Uh, Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite. Halo. Which would actually be six. Is it? Yeah, there's a Halo Five. Is there? Yeah. Oh. It's not in the Master Chief collection. That's probably why you forgot about it. Oh, okay. It's a separate <laughs> game. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> You're like, wait, I was just on the Master Chief collection last night, and I swear to God there was a I don't four. remember a Halo 5. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so Halo Infinite, and if Infinite's good, that'll be great. Um, but, you know, I would like to see... I would like to... You know, Microsoft with a new IP that's good. Um, you know, they did ReCore, which tanked. Um, well, they've got some stuff coming. So they have that. Is it Outer Wilds or Outer Worlds? I don't know which one's which because there's two games with that title. But there's the game from Obsidian that looks like a Fallout clone. Yeah. That's I first that. party. Yeah. And then they have the new game from the people who made Hellblade. That fighting game, mm-hmm. the, the arena 4v4 fighting game, um, that, you know, who knows how that'll be. So they're, they're starting to get stuff out. It's just how is it going to be? Because I had, like, some level of excitement for Crackdown 3. Like, I thought it might be okay. I liked Crackdown 1. Yeah. And then, like, I saw the reviews and I was like, don't even want to try it now because it's, like, it's right. supposed to be a buggy mess. And they <sighs> need to get away from that. They have to stop. You need, they need to start canceling things. You know, and not just think it's like, oh, this is acceptable because it's just on Game Pass anyway, right? Right. It's like, uh, reputation is important. Yeah, you got like Sony has a really strong reputation on their first party, so they get a lot of sales just off that rep for no matter what they put out. Right. All right, let's get back to this list of game releases. Yeah. Uh, in August. Uh, I think we went through this one. There's literally nothing either of us is interested in. Uh, then we move into September. Yeah, let's talk about fucking September. Um, so September 6th, you get Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Oh, that's so irritating. So there's like, <laughs> go keep going. Uh, on September 10th, Gears 5. On September 13th, Borderlands 3. On September 17th, Destiny 2 Shadowkeep. And what else? I thought there was one more. You said you don't care about NHL 20. No, fuck that game. It's been terrible for three years at least. So, I mean, there's a couple of games there that, you know... Are those dates a little close together for you, sir? This is the irritating thing about video games is there will be just be months and months <laughs> and months of nothing coming out. And then what we're going to do is we're going to smash everything into a fucking two-week period. It's the worst. It's the worst, Bob. Like, I played a lot of Monster Hunter World. That's a really fun game. I would probably like to play this Iceborne DLC Oh, but we're going to release it at the same time as fucking everything else. You know, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 and I've really been enjoying Destiny 2. And, you know, I'd really like to play that DLC. But oh, we're going to fucking release it at the same time as everything else. I love the Borderlands series. I would really love to play Borderlands 3. We're going to release it at the same time <laughs> as everything else. Gears of War 4 fucking sucked. 
So I can't say I'm that excited about Gears 5, but I'm going to try it because it's going to be Game Pass free. <laughs> so you like that, by the way? Game, Game Pass free. Game Pass free. Game Pass free. It's not really free. It's Game Pass free. It's Game Pass free. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to try that for sure because why not? I do find it interesting we move to a point where um, on these game releases we are including DLCs. Uh, on these lists now well some of these games you know like i don't know how big destiny 2 shadow keep is going to be in terms of content but forsaken which came out at the same time the previous year was a major content drop it was like a new game you know Mm -hmm. and so if it's going to be that level of dlc then it kind of is like a new game and i don't know how big iceborne is going to be maybe it's a 10 hour dlc or maybe it's a 40 hour dlc you know i have no idea how big that monster hunter dlc is going to be sure Um, and i'd say that's probably of all of them that'd be the one that'd be the least likely to be played and the reason is is that the co-op in that game is so poorly implemented it drives me fucking crazy i hate it like like i had you install dauntless and i think maybe you did the tutorial or something once you do the tutorial you can just team up for everything Anything you want to do, you could team up for. In Monster Hunter World, it's so dumb. All the story missions, you can't team up with other people until you've gone into the mission and hunted the monster down first and found it. And then you can group up. It's the worst. That makes no sense. It's so stupid. So if you want to play that co-op with someone... Let's say you're both at the same point in the game. This is actually the worst one. Is Let's say you're both at the same point in the game and you're trying to play it through together. We would both individually have to go into our own games, go hunt the monster down, and then we would have to, once we've done that, we would then have to quit, find each other, group up, and then go redo the mission. It's so stupid. Or... If, say, like, I've already played the whole game through and I just want you to play it, even though I've already seen the cutscene and I've already hunted the monster and all that shit, I can't just come play with you. You have to go hunt the monster yourself while I sit there like a doofus and wait. And then once you found it, you can then invite me. It's so stupid. <clears throat> I hate... It's... All the Japanese games do co-op in a stupid fucking way. And it's like, you know what? If you don't want to include co-op, don't. Just don't include co-op. Right. If you're going to do it, don't half-ass it. Don't come up with these stupid solutions because it's off-putting. Right. You know, like, I couldn't get any of my friends to play Monster Hunter World because the co-op was so obtuse. So that's the one one that's probably going to be left off for sure. Mm -hmm. I'll try Gears 5 just because it's going to be Game Pass free. You know, I thought the campaign in Gears 4 was terrible. Like, I thought it was so boring. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's a game out of its time. Maybe if I went back now and played Gears 1 or Gears 2 co-op, maybe those would be boring too. I don't know. But I remember having fun with those games. And I especially had a lot of fun on Gears 1 because do you remember how the co-op would work in that game? Where, like, you would... They, they still kind of were like this, I think, in all the Gears games, where you would, like, play together... And then when you would get to certain sections, you would get split up. And if either you died, you would have to restart the section. (laughs) So I always remember 
there was like this one point and i think gears one where you and a friend would get put on these two like train cars kind of and you'd have to like shoot things as you go through this area and you're trying to get to the end without dying but if one of you dies you have to restart the train car section you know yep so i was playing with my friend and he was just dying and dying and dying and dying and you know at first it's like annoying because it's like how have you died for like the 10th time in a row this easy thing you know but by like the 50th time it's just fucking hilarious you know and you're just like i was i was actually on the floor crying because it was so funny how much he had died to like this easy shit to kill you know and so we'll see i mean i'd love gears 5 to be good because then it's like something different you know something like I don't really have any, like, third-person action multiplayer games that I play that I can really think of. So I would like a good Gears game again. Right. But Gears 4 didn't grab me at all, and the campaign was so off-putting, I never even tried the multiplayer. You know, the multiplayer might have been great. I don't know, but the campaign just turned me off the whole game. Um, you Funny know, so, how that works. Yeah, weird. So, Borderlands 3, I mean, I hope it's a really good game. Uh, you know I like that style of game, which is just the lo- looter games, you know. Um, you know, we'll see. It's tough because since they're coming out like four days apart from the Destiny 2 DLC, and I'm you know, going to want to play that, and I've already invested so much time into Destiny, I kind of think like, I might just hold out for Destiny and play the shit out of that and maybe after a month I'll be done with that and then I could play some other stuff, you know? And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, you know, that'll be a time where I could try to get you and do it because it's going to be free for a lot of the stuff. And I think a lot of people are going to come back for that DLC, which is what kind of tends to happen with Destiny is every time there's a new DLC release, it kind of reinvigorates people to play the game. Right. So, yeah, I mean that might be the one and then you know the way games are now borderlands 3 might be 40 bucks in two weeks you know right well and what i and you know borderlands is a co-op game it's not a big multiplayer game yeah so there's not that you know with the big multiplayer games there is a bit of a drive to get it as early as possible because you want to get good at the game so that you're not just constantly getting owned um in the in the multiplayer match i mean i don't know what that feels like but i know what you mean yeah (laughs) you know doesn't hurt my soul at all anyways so yeah i mean that's the thing there's not there's not gonna be a huge you know really for any of those games and not a huge driving force to get you to buy it right away yeah, and it's it's frustrating because I really would love to play the hell out of Borderlands 3 because I think it's been something like eight years since Borderlands 2 came out. Yeah, it's been a while. And that was a great game, and I'm assuming Borderlands 3 is going to be a really good game. Um, you know, you never know. Maybe it'll suck. That would actually be nice if it was terrible because then I wouldn't <laughs> have to bother. <laughs> but it's just frustrating that everything has to come out at the same time, and I don't, I don't know, man, like... 
I know the theory is you release things in that certain section of the year and they're going to do better. And I'm sure there's a bunch of data to back this up. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing this. But fuck, when games like that all come out at the same time, it's so annoying. Well, I think part of it, you do have that self-fulfilling prophecy um, element to it. Um, You only release big games at a certain time. Right. So that's the only time big games do well. Right. Uh, and I think there's also, like, you know, maybe realistically, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to throw a Monster Hunter DLC up against Borderlands 3. Um, but no one wants to admit that their game is not as big as another game. Well, and you know, take Gears 5 out of it. Just take Monster Hunter World... Take Borderlands 3 and take Destiny 2. Those are three games that, to me, are targeting a very similar audience. You know, they're not the same game, but you're targeting a very similar audience, which is like you go into a game, you kind of repeat the same content to make your character stronger, to get better loot, to craft better things. You know, those games are all kind of targeting the same general type of video game player who's into playing a game over and over and over again and kind of like getting into that loop and just playing that one game right so you're all kind of competing for the same money out of the gate so we'll see what happens i wish you know one of those games was like fuck i wish you know borderlands 3 was coming out in august because then i'd have like a solid month or so to just play the hell out of that before well, Destiny 2. Well, and then what's ridiculous is if you move into October, um, you've got Ghost Recon and Modern Warfare coming out. Yeah, and I don't really care about either of those games. Right. Like, that would have been a good, you know, someone could have moved into October. Um, and that's really it. Well, but if you're, but again, if you're a publisher... You don't want to go up against Call of Duty. No. Even though you should on that one. But uh, then you move into November and we have Death Stranding on November 8th. Uh, <laughs> Alex, the game you've been waiting for. Yeah. Jumanji, the video game. Oh my God, that's going to be so good. Um. What do we got? Uh, Pokemon Shield and Sword on November 15th. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on November 15th. I think, I think you know, that's going to probably be a good game. But like another time here, that's a game I'm in no rush to play. And it's probably going to be on EA Access maybe a year from its release. Or six months or whatever. Whenever they put games on EA Access, you know. And so, I could just play that game for free one day. And am I in a big rush to play a single-player Star Wars game? Nah. Not really. Even if it's, like, amazing, I'm probably not in a rush. See, if a game is if a game is good, I do like to play them near release. Because I like that... I like the whole zeitgeist element of games and, like people are talking about it and you can talk about it with people at work or um, with your friends. Um, so, so there is that element of it, but 
Um, one, EA's reputation sucks. Um, and but Respawn's reputation is really strong. Right. So it, there's a bit of there's a bit of a you know a uh, a uh, um, a push and pull going. But on Bioware's there. reputation used to be really strong too. Yes. And we see how that's gone. So you know, uh, it, there's there's no way I would buy this at release because I want to hear what people are saying about it, and not just reviewers. I want to hear you know what the community says about it, and you know, is it a buggy mess? Is it you know a good game? I you know, and fairly simple things that uh, if game journalism was actually any good, you might actually. Nah. Get. Uh, Let's talk about the. No, we gotta make. We gotta write articles about the Twitch streamers saying bad things. Um. Uh, yep. Then you've also got um on November nineteenth, Shenmue three, which I have no desire to play. I am intrigued as to how this game does, only because they made a big deal out of doing uh, Kickstarter with this game and. Uh, you know, Sony wouldn't pay for it uh, unless they got so much Kickstarter money and this, that, and the other. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with it. But but it's coming out in everything, right? It's not only coming out in PlayStation. Um, PS4 and PC. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it'll it'll come out on Xbox one day then. I'm sure to be like some sort of timed exclusive. Then you have Doom Eternal. Well, in Shenmue, you know, it's been so long. I don't think people even remember. Shenmue 1 and 2 were very much a product of their time. And so, well, one, they have a lot of mechanics that feel very old. And two, it's a lot about Japanese culture and life. So we'll see how Shenmue 3 does. Yeah. Doom Eternal. On November 22nd. Coming which, will probably, which will probably be a great game. Yeah. The the last Doom was amazing. Yeah. Um. And that's coming out on everything. Yeah. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia. Oh, God. And PC. Did you hear that whoever's running the Stadia division over at Google was saying how, you know, we're not worried about the data cap situation because ISPs traditionally have um, been very responsive to their customers' needs, and they want to keep their customers happy. I heard that. I fell over. <laughs> it's like, it's like, fuck you, dude. You're living in a bubble. You're not in reality with the rest of us. I, I, I will say, I, there is, uh, there is one kernel of truth in that, and and that is if, if the if the standard amount of data usage for the for the, you know the bulk of users jumps um the isps will pretty much be forced to adjust it um now that would probably in all likelihood come with um a rate increase too sure but you know there would be that adjustment um but a, that that naivety on the part of google is just flabbergasting you know, not that I'm really in favor of zero rating because I think it's bad for competitive markets, but if 
Google were to pay to zero rate all the Google Stadia bandwidth, that would definitely make me more inclined to at least try it. Because yeah. at least then I would know, like, hey, I'm not going to have, like, hundreds of gigabytes of data going against my cap. Mm-hmm. And maybe Google will do that. Or maybe they won't because Stadia will be on the fucking dust shelf a year from now. Well, and and we've talked about this before. You know, if you if you're going to if you have to go to unlimited data because you're you're persistently going over the Comcast data cap, you know that's an extra fifty bucks a month. And at that point, like whatever, whatever benefit you're getting from google stadia is just not financially viable (laughs) man and here's the other thing we're kind of thinking right now about you know bandwidth and all this stuff how much bandwidth is it going to be for the ps5 and project scarlet for those games to be downloaded because you know textures are not getting smaller you know they're only getting bigger so like right now you know if you go download like forza 7 it's like a hundred gigs what's forza gonna be on fucking project scarlet 150 gigs like holy shit and how big is the hard drive is gonna come with that system because a one terabyte hard drive is just not getting it done anymore Nope. Nope. Are they really like I wonder about stuff like that. Like, you know, they've committed to an SSD. Are they really gonna bundle a two terabyte SSD in the system? I don't think so. I mean, I can't afford a two terabyte SSD now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like I, they're they're so ridiculously expensive. Now, obviously, when they bulk make them and they're and buy them and they're probably going to be like cheap products, they're going to be a lot, you know, more cost effective than mm-hmm. if you or I were to go buy a Samsung SSD. Right. Right. Well, and then uh, looking just into 2020 real quick, uh, we have, uh, you know, obviously it's a lot less defined but uh, March 3rd the Final Fantasy 7 remake part 1 uh, March 6th Watch Dogs Legion um, and then the one, the game that I am most interested to play um, out of everything we've talked about so far uh, and that is uh, Cyberpunk 2077 that's true April 16th assuming that comes out on that day yeah, there's a lot of time for that to get delayed. <laughs> yeah, Cyberpunk looks great. You know, Witcher 3 was a great game, so that's pretty much a day one purchase. Mm-hmm. I would be amazed if it was anything short of a extremely good game. Right. Um, and then other than that, the only other thing that has that is announced to come out next year on the list is Halo Infinite. Right, and that launches with the Scarlet, whenever that'll be. Right. Uh, that's why it's even more critical for that game to be good. Right. Uh, so, there's, uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot more games out there that will be announced 
but that that's just what's on the the docket um still nothing on last of us 2 no i would assume i think that's going to come out like end of next year that's what i would think that might end up being a ps5 launch title like a ps4 slash ps5 launch title yeah i could see that i would expect to have a a release date at e3 next year yeah Um, assuming sony goes which yeah or it would be around or sometime around that time i think sony will be at e3 next year because i don't think they're going to want microsoft to get all the press when it comes to announcing a new console yeah um what a um Knights of Tsushima which Sony showed last year. Yeah, that'll probably be good. Uh it looked good. Um that's the thing Sony is a strong first party. Yeah, they do. They do. Um now for a variety of reasons, I'm definitely I will not be buying both next gen consoles. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. My PS4 did not get nearly as much play as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And they're mostly, you know, my psychological fucking craziness. Yeah. Because uh, there's games I want to play, but I'm so, you know. I'm, like, so tied into Xbox Live. Right. You know? And so I, yeah, I'm, I don't think there's any chance I buy a PS5. Maybe when it's like $300 a couple of years later or something, mm-hmm. you know, but not at launch. No way. No, I, I can't. I can't think of a reason why I would. Um, I mean, I can, but, the you know, two games are not a system seller. Well, the other issue is how much are these systems going to cost? Because there's been that talk of those Chinese tariffs on electronics. Right. And, you know, right now it seems like Trump's backed off on that, but who knows where that'll be, you know, a year and a half from now. Right. So what might have been a $500 console might turn into a $600 console. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be brutal. I mean, yeah. to me, I feel like I feel like for a new console, 500 is my upper limit just yeah. in terms of a reasonable purchase. I don't want to kill myself about. Yeah. You know? But I worry because I think, you know, the video game executives probably see like, hey, there's 10 million people willing to go buy a cell phone for $1,000. Why can't we charge $700 for a brand new console that you're going to use for five years? Yeah. Uh, And, you know, when you when you put it in that perspective, it. You know, it it does give a lot of pause to why these consoles don't cost more than they do. Um, Because people will pay it. If your only option for a new console was to pay $600, I mean, you would. Uh, You wouldn't be happy about it, but you would. I probably would. But it would also depend on what's on there. You might it might take you longer to buy yeah. it. Yeah. And the other question would be, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. Is the entire Xbox One library going to work on Project Scarlet, or is it going to only be certain chosen mm-hmm. games and maybe more over time, kind of like what they've done with backwards compatibility now? Because if it's 
all Xbox One games are backwards compatible, then I'm kind of like, ooh, I'd like to play a 4K 60 FPS version of Overwatch, or I'd like to play a 1080p 120 FPS version of Overwatch, you know? But if those games aren't going to be backwards compatible or aren't going to be updated to take advantage of the Scarlet, then I'm less likely to go play them. Right. Was it Microsoft that had um, that was talking about like uh, a payment plan deal with their systems? Uh, like what? Pay monthly to buy the system? Yeah. Uh, there was something a while back where you could pay monthly to get like the system and Xbox Live Gold and maybe Game Pass was part of that too. I can't remember. Yeah. But I don't remember ever really hearing anything about that like maybe that got canned or wasn't popular or anything yeah maybe like 10 people got it because it financially never made any sense well i do think uh if they if they ever want to jack the price of the consoles um they could hide it behind a monthly payment absolutely everyone else does it (laughs) yeah you know uh and what's you know if because think about it, what would what would that monthly rate need to be? Uh, let's figure. Hold on. I'm I, gonna pull up th- the calculator app. Let's say let's say you had a six hundred dollar console over twenty four months. So that's twenty five dollars plus fifteen dollars a month. For gold and Game Pass, that's forty bucks a month for your Xbox. Yeah, that's. I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel good about that. I mean, if you're not, I guess, I guess all that, I guess what would matter is, and the, the do you own it after two years? Well, there's that, which I assume you would, and there's also the question of you can always find game pass and gold cheaper than that price sure like but all i the guess time, I, regularly yeah and, and you know now i'm fully in the camp that you should not make uh you should not you should not finance small purchases um you know but if the if the price does start creeping higher you know i think a lot of people will feel the need to go that route and and i did you know and i know like with manufacturing and uh improvements and improvements in technology things get cheaper i just don't see how these consoles could just continue to stay in that same price point forever and ever because yeah. you, you know you see what games have stayed at the same price but they're supplementing it with all sorts of additional revenue streams. Yeah. Between DLC, games as a service, microtransactions. So, you know, what what are what can you do on the console side though? It's tough because you've taught the market for a very long time that the price of a video game console is about four to five hundred dollars brand new and it should be about three hundred dollars about two years after it comes out and that's just been video game consoles forever pretty much 
you know, and if you start looking at inflation, it's totally different than, you know, like when you account for inflation, some old video game consoles were actually like $1,200 when they came out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but that's not what it is today. And there's a certain price people are used to paying. So we'll see. I think the supplemental income is really stuff like Xbox Live Gold, you know, or for Sony uh, PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like your supplemental console manufacturer income that you're just going to get forever from a lot of people. You know, because I can't, I can't not have Xbox Live Gold, right? So you're just paying that 50 bucks a year or whatever it is, depending on how if you find on sale or whatever. Right. And a lot of people don't care. Like, for everyone that's me that, like, looks for, oh, it's, like, on sale for $35 for a year. There's a bunch of people that just pay $60 full price every year, you know? And there's a lot of people that just pay $10 every month for Game Pass. So. Well, I would, you know, if, when it comes to to gold, um, you know, I it really depends on when gold comes up because I'm not looking for it in advance to see if I can find a great deal on it. Um, and if it comes up and I need gold now, like I'm not going to be, Oh, it'll, it might be 10 bucks cheaper in a month. No, I'm not going to let gold expire. You have before though. I have, but not when I'm actively playing something. I've let it expire when I'm not playing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it all kind of just depends. And, and then when I have let it expire, if I'm ready to get back in and play, it's like, well, I want it, and I want it now, so I'm probably just going to pay the 60 bucks. And in the grand scheme of things, 10 bucks is really not... 10 bucks is not worth it for me to wait if there's something I want to do. Yeah, it's not a... Yeah, it's not a big deal at all. Except, of course, when you're paying for everything else monthly as well. And then it starts to pile up. Exactly. What else you got, Bob? You got anything for me? So, I think we could probably end on this. Um, Today, uh, earlier today, uh, the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team won the Women's World Cup. Uh, against the Netherlands. And truth be told, I really don't give a shit at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I What a great starter for a conversation. I, I don't I don't like I, I don't care for soccer at all. Alright, so podcast over everyone. Thanks for being here. But I do I do want to talk about this for a minute because uh it is an interesting thing um, I, I don't know how much you've read about this or know about it. Um, the pay discrepancy between the women players and the male players, yeah, is gigantic. The men uh, are making much more, I'm assuming. Yes. Even though no one actually cares about men's soccer at all, and actually, it seems like the women's soccer gets more pub when it comes around, doesn't it? Yeah. So here's the thing. You know, the so I I had to I had to I was doing a little digging on this because 
I was really curious about how this is all organized. So basically you have the United States Soccer Federation, um, which as it's commonly referred to as U.S. Soccer, um, I took that whole sentence straight from Wikipedia. Just want to make sure they get credit. Um, and uh, so U.S. Soccer is a nonprofit organization. Um, it's the governing body, uh, governing body of soccer in the United States. Um, and it's a, it's a member of FIFA. So basically, U.S. – this is, this is – I, I think this is like one of those great – like tricks of words that people forget about. They are, it's a nonprofit organization. It's a nonprofit company. It's a business. So let's remember that first of all. Um, now it's been around um, since like 1914 um, and, you know, the U.S. men have played in World Cups since then. Uh, the women's team and the Women's World Cup has only been around since, like, the early 90s, right? In there have been eight, world, eight Women's World Cups uh, to date. The U.S. women have won four of them. Mm-hmm. And they have medaled every time they have not and yet there is still this gigantic pay gap between the two i don't get it and i would be yeah i would be very interested to see what their ratings are just in the u.s for when the women's world cup comes up versus the men's world cup because mm-hmm. i just feel like completely anecdotally I feel like there's much more press surrounding the women every time than there is around the men. Aren't the men much better now, though? I think they're better, but they're still... They pale in comparison to, like, Brazil and England. Yeah, but there's there's no logical reason, though, that the men should be making more money than the women for playing for the same national team. Right, exactly. It's why it's... It's just ridiculous. Especially when the women's team is more successful. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, it, it's just, like, for, I was I was wondering about it because I was like, well, you know, what if, like, maybe they're actually run by a different organization or something? No, they're actually, it's the same, they work for the same company. And that's the thing, like, professional athletes... Yes, they're athletes that play a game, but they're employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and as such, are subject to equal rights laws. Um, EEOC. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 it just boggles my mind that this shit is a thing. But then I think about that, right? And... What what's really fascinating to me is how successful the women's U.S. women's soccer team has been, and I think about it in you know why why is U.S. women's soccer so successful, but U.S. men's soccer is basically bottom of the barrel. Um, 
especially for such a large country. Um, and I have to think a lot of it is that as frustrated as we are with a lot of the stupidity that happens in this country, how how much further we are in terms of women's rights than a lot of other countries. Like how many awesome athletes are out there? Awesome female athletes are in countries like Iran. Yeah. You just aren't allowed to do anything. Like you can't, no, you can't, you can't go play soccer. You get back in the kitchen and other stuff like that, which is, I I mean, I meant in no way trying to take away from what the U S women's team has done. Uh, I do. I just think it's interesting um, to see because, like, we feel like, you know, in general, gender equality is still pretty out of whack in this country. Um, but geez, it could be so much worse. And yes, not, and not that we should be resting on our laurels. Absolutely not. But it is. It's just weird to look at the rest of the world in comparison. Um, and realize, like, no, the rest of the world's kind of fucked up, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the world's dealing with a lot of issues all over the place, and uh, many things are a lot worse for women than they are here, but it's still not perfect for women here, either. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I was thinking about that, and so we, we think about, like, how divisive politics are in this country right now, and how... You know, if you see someone wearing a red hat, um, you kind of want to punch them in the face. Um, then you realize it's, you know, a Cincinnati hat and then you still kind of want to punch them in the face. <laughs> um, but I do think if I do think occasionally it would serve us well to um, enjoy our successes uh, and to 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 be proud of the fact that there are things we have done right. You know, we want to continue to push forward and make things better um, and never stop. I think if we took a little, you know, if we made a more conscious effort to when we when we can, you know, appreciate what we have done that may help, you know, bridge the gap with between, you know, the very conservative and very liberal sides. And cause you know, th- I think that's, that's the thing The you've got conservatives that sit there and will say, you know, th- we're the best country in the world. And, you know, we're the ones who won world war two and this, that, and the other. And then liberals will just say, well, we suck at everything. And it's like, well, there's a point in the middle we need to get to, right? (laughs) And if we just, if we all just kind of stay on our, our, our mountaintops yelling at each other, completely polar opposite, it's not going to do anything. I mean, we're fucked anyway, so it doesn't really matter, (laughs) but It, it, it is though, to your point, it's extremely irritating both ways when you listen to people act like everyone's got it so bad here if you're not white and it's like okay i know we're like two white guys so we don't have all the perspective other people might have but it could be a lot fucking worse and yeah are white people still at the top of the fucking mountain yeah (laughs) and is there a lot of racism fuck yeah there is 
we got a racist president, but it could be a hell of a lot worse than it actually is. Um, and, and, you know, I think you, we, I, I think we can't solve a lot of the problems that we're dealing with if we, if we stay stuck in the, this bipolar environment. Yeah. A, the, a way has to be found to bridge the gap. Cause right now it's just like, you see it everywhere, but especially in stuff like Congress, it's just like, we're going to fuck you over and we're going to fuck you over. And both sides are just working to screw the other over and nothing ever gets done. Mm -hmm. And anything that does get done ends up having a really bad outcome for someone. Yep. So. And it just sucks. It sucks that, you know, we have someone who probably sexually assaulted a woman in the Supreme Court for like 60 years, probably. Mm -hmm. We have someone who's the president who more than likely... I'll just say so it's not like I don't get fucking sued over this stupid podcast (laughs) more than likely has either raped or sexually assaulted women. And it's just like it doesn't matter. You know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago when that I can't even remember her name because it didn't matter. That woman came out and said that Trump sexually assaulted her and then like a, a clothing store or something. It's like, look, I empathize with you. But I know I read it. I read the whole thing. Felt bad for her. It doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter. Nope. Doesn't matter at all in any way, shape, or form. You could probably have video proof of him doing it, and it wouldn't fucking matter. Because that's just the crazy-ass world. Yep. Oh, that's deep fake. Deep fake. (laughs) That'll be another thing. When that starts getting more and more and more traction, everything's going to be like, oh, that was a deep fake. That wasn't me. Well, that's a scary thing. You know, it's like how and then how will you know reality? Ten, ten from years, not? ten years from now, it's going to be like a crazy town. Like you're going to be able to like digitally put yourself into like anything, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm the lead of Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> or, oh, I'm screwing that girl in that porn. You're going to be able to put yourself in anything and people are going to be able to put you in anything. And that's why people were flipping out a couple of weeks ago that there was that app that someone created using that same like deep fake type of thing where um, people were taking pictures of clothed, clothed women and you would upload them to that website and they would it was basically like making a fake of their head on a nude body. Yeah. And that's only going to get better. You know, that's yeah, not going to get that technology is not going away. Unfortunately, it's not. But hopefully there will be. Um, well, I, I say this, but I was I was going to say, well, hopefully there's also matching technology that will help you identify fakes. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully but, we'll be able to find it. But but there's also the truth that once someone sees it, you know, unseeing it, and even if even if you have technology that says it's a fake, you know, people are stupid. People are stupid. And, you know, and then what's to say, well, what, how do I know that the technology that's telling me is fake is working correctly? And when you don't trust anything, you don't trust the news media. You don't trust other people. You don't trust the president. You don't trust congressmen. 
who's telling me what and who do I believe. Right. And so, so to go to go back real quick to that to the US women's soccer team thing. You know, one of the things that's been going on for a couple weeks is people have been bitching about their celebrations, right? Yes. And it's mostly been sexist garbage. However, the thing that started it was that game where they won like 13-0. Mhm. That shit was completely classless. I don't care what anyone says. Like, if you go watch the video of that game, at one point it's like 9-0, and Megan Rapino, one of the best fucking women's soccer player in the whole goddamn world, scores a goal. You're up like 10 goals. She's running. She's sliding. She's pumping her fist. It's like, dude, show some humility. Yeah. You know? Like, when I watch hockey and a team's up like 6-0, and they score a goal, they kind of like come together, and you know, it's like a little fist bump, or maybe you give each other a light hug. You don't go jump into the fucking boards like you just won the Stanley Cup. Right. You know? So, there has been, it's mostly been like sexist bullshit, but if you go watch the highlights of that game, holy shit, do some of these people need to well, learn some class. You see, and therein lies a, a problem, and I think you saw this around the that 2016 Ghostbusters is when when you have something that is um, all women's, which in, clearly in women's sports is the case, um, because of the the sexist douchebags, it's really hard to levy criticism, and you can't have an honest conversation about what's actually happening, right? Uh, and it, it's, and it's, it's not the fault of the women. It's the fault of the fucking misogynist douchebags yeah. who have to make it about the fact they're women. No, the, 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 the fact is that it was excessive celebration and it was kind of, it was disrespectful to the team that's getting pummeled. Yeah. Um, but you know, you could, you could have that, but that's also a thing of like, you can, you can give that criticism and then you can move on. But the that's the other thing is like in depending on what you're talking about, either people move on instantly or they drag it out mm-hmm. for forever. It's like, no, you need an appropriate reaction time and then move on. Right. Like give it there's it's It doesn't have to be this binary of either it's. It's dismissed immediately, like the accuser of Trump, or it's dragged out forever, like Benghazi. Um, so, anyways, I had my intent in bringing that up was more to say, um, that you know it's events like this where, um, you know we, you can as uh you know as a country recognize the achievements of our country and uh, of the women of the U S women's soccer team. And it's a possible area for us to bridge some gaps. And then you just had to bring that down. Yeah. Um, and, and well, I mean, destroy everything. Bob, what's more fun than fucking pissing people off? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. We are barreling right towards the sun. <laughs> this is, as a society, the answer, the answer to that question is absolutely nothing is more fun than that. Jesus Christ. All right. You have anything else, Alex? Nope, Bob. 
I guess I'll say it to you. Thanks for being here in your own home. And hug me. Hold me tight. Bob the dog, where are you? This has been a Puma Knife production. <laughs>